You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, and we are here with Beth Morrison from Rebuilding Together Charlotte. Now, affordable housing is getting a lot of attention in the Charlotte area right now. As our community begs the question, you know, how do we find homes that low and uh, and middle income residents can afford to live in. You know, with so many affordable neighborhoods that are close um, to uptown gentrifying and gaining value, how do we keep, you know, elderly, disabled, veterans, limited income residents and homes that they've lived in for a really long time? And that's a really tough question. Um, but we have an organization that has been uh, been started and Beth is, is leading the charge here and it's called Rebuilding Together Charlotte. Now, Rebuilding Together of Greater Charlotte, excuse me, is tackling those questions, especially that second part. Uh, Beth Morrison's here on the Brown Builders podcast to fill us in on how Rebuilding Together is working to do just that. And we are so excited to learn more. Welcome, Beth. And by the way, beautiful T-shirt that you're Thank wearing you. right there. They yeah, designed an amazing shirt. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty stoked. That is good looking. Lie. It is. So, Beth, welcome <laughs> yeah. to the Brand Builders Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Beth. Good to see you. And Brian, thanks for the introduction. So tell us about your mission at Rebuilding Charlotte, or Rebuilding Together, rather. Sorry. Yeah, so I guess starting with a vision, it's that we believe everybody should have a safe home and community. So very simple. Um, and then how we do that is by focusing on repairing homes, revitalizing communities, and then rebuilding lives. Um, so what we find when we do, um, so we go into homes and, and do critical repairs that really pinpoint um, safety and health hazards that are common, especially in aging homes, um, that oftentimes are costly. So especially when you know somebody is now retired or they are only on Social Security, big things that they might not be able to keep up with. And as those things mount, obviously get they, they get worse and more expensive to fix until it's to a point oftentimes where it's just really hazardous for them to live there. Um, so that's that's mostly the, the people that we assist are in that situation where they really, you know, they, they need a roof, it's leaking, it's causing a lot of damage in their home, or, you know, their, their furnace went out three years ago and they've been just struggling through winters with space heaters. And um, so we see a lot of that. But it's also, um, you know, we have our program called Building a Healthy Neighborhood, which is the majority of what we do is focused um, on one neighborhood at a time. So we make a long-term commitment to that neighborhood to kind of be their revitalization partner. So, you know, we meet with community leaders, kind of figure out what's going on in the neighborhood, who are the neighbors that really need help to maintain their home, people who want to stay in their home, and then some wider kind of community project ideas that we can bring in you know, some of our sponsors and lots of volunteers to help just improve the whole community while we're there. So you mentioned, we, we had a lot of conversations about building a healthy neighborhood. And one of the things that I brought up, it's almost like charities, you know, you go online now and it's like a million different charities are asking you for money. And it seems like every day another person's, Hey, donate here, donate here. And it's like, are, how many organizations do you want me to donate to? You know, it's, and, and I always say, if, if somebody can focus their attention on one mission, then they can really make an impact. And I look at the same thing with you guys as far as the, the this rebuilding together Charlotte, but really helping a neighborhood. You could go out and, and help 20 homes in Charlotte uh, that could be all over the place. Mm -hmm. Is that going to make a, a, as much of an impact if you go in and help 20 homes in one neighborhood that not only you're supporting them, but you're teaching that community how to be friends, how to be a neighborhood, what that really means. And I think that is it was one of the coolest things from our first conversation. Yeah. So go into how you guys made that decision. Uh, was that something that you you did a lot of analytics on, or it was just like, you know, we want to find neighborhoods. And if we can make an impact at this house, then the next house and the next house, 
ultimately we can build that really strong bond there that could really, really make an impact for, for generations. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's exactly how we feel about it, that it has that, that potential for long-term impact that, that we're missing if we just do scattershot projects. Um, but honestly, a lot of it is practical. So it's, we're a very small team. Um, until a couple months ago, I was the only employee. And before that, we were a fully volunteer working board. So some of it was we know that we can't help everybody. So why not make our resources go the furthest by um, investing them into a targeted community that we know could need our help? Um, more, more so than maybe other ones that aren't being targeted as much with, um, you know, outside investors coming in, um, you know, and then just thinking through project days, it's, it's just an amazing feeling to be working on two or three houses on the same street and then how the neighborhood responds to that. It's, it's a lot more powerful than, than one house, one time in one neighborhood. Um, so when they see this kind of continued investment, our, our goal that we're really working towards now is to turn out the community, um, have, have neighbors helping neighbors, not just bring, you know, volunteers from all parts of the city, which is great, too, because we need people to understand what it's like in communities that they're not familiar with. And they, they don't experience that. Um, but we really want to um, help, you know, empower the, the community to be a part of their own, you know, to help them to help their neighbors. What qualifies someone to get you, or I guess receive your service? Um, so it's based on our general qualification. They they have to make under eighty percent of the area's median income. Usually they're much lower than that, but that's kind of the, the top that we cap out at. Um, they they need to own and occupy the home. So at this time we're not equipped to work on any rentals, uh, which we know is another huge need. Um, and then. We, we ask that they have homeowner's insurance. Um, sometimes, though, we'll waive that if the home is actually not insurable because it's in such bad condition. Then we just have an agreement with them that they will get insurance as soon as we bring it to a condition that they can get insurance, um, which, which is also a huge risk, you know, when somebody doesn't have insurance because they can't. It's, it's in such bad condition. Uh. If something, you know, fire happens, that's just a total loss. So um, that's... That's a huge priority as soon as as soon as it's insurable, they get insurance. And then the last thing is that they're not they're not really far behind on their property taxes. so so it's not in in risk of you know going to foreclosure because we want them to when we make these repairs, their our understanding is that they're going to stay in that home for the foreseeable future. How many people and this might be a question you can answer, it might be a question you can't answer. How, what is the percentage of people that might reach out that do want assistance that don't qualify for that? And is there any assistance that can maybe get somebody back on track um, that so they can have some more of those check boxes so they can be helped? Because I could assume that there's a lot of people that would sit and be like, uh, well, I don't have homeowner's insurance. I don't have, you know, this, I, you know, it would kind of be kind of that, like they just never knew or they, they don't have the money to be able to do it. So how does that work? And, and if somebody doesn't get Except because I imagine there's a lot of people that need it and you can't help everybody, you know, like you, you got to choose, which has to be very difficult. Yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit about that. Like, is, is there like a process to kind of help them through that and, and maybe get them back on track? Yeah. Um, it's not as much when, when we find that somebody doesn't have insurance, it's almost always because the house isn't insurable and that it's pretty black and white then, you know, if we can do the project there, then they get insurance. Um, if it's not a fit for other reasons, um, we'll always try to refer them to somebody else that, that might be able to help. 
Um, but that's usually not a determining factor for us. Um, we have had to turn somebody away because uh, she was very far behind in taxes. Um, and, you know, to the point where the, the house what, foreclosure proceedings were starting. So we referred them to um, the legal aid organization to, to try to work through what her legal options were to get on a payment plan and, and things like that. So um, one of the, the great parts of what we do that a lot of other service providers don't have the opportunity to do is we go into these houses and we talk to people and we see the kind of the full picture of their lives more so than, um, you know, if they just go to a clinic to get help or, um, so we are very conscious about our, our kind of responsibility to be that connector for them. So if we see a need of theirs, that it's not something we do, you know, maybe it's an elderly person, there's nothing in the refrigerator. Maybe we'll refer them to Meals on Wheels, things like that. Um, so, we, so we really take that responsibility seriously of having that, that privilege to do that grassroots work in those neighborhoods, in those houses, to be a connector for them with other community organizations. I love that. And so to jump into specifically affordable housing, I think it's a, it, it's a word that people have different opinions on. You know, um, I don't necessarily think that media does a great job of portraying exactly what affordable housing means and, and why it's important to a, a city specifically like Charlotte. But I, I would love to hear from you. You're living in that every single day and dealing with that. And I'd love to educate the people that are listening to this and educate myself. Um, but tell me, you know, why is it so important, you know, to keep, you know, utterly disabled, low income residents in their homes? And why is it so important to have that specific affordable housing around the city of Charlotte? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the way that people can understand it better is if we talk about it more in terms of workforce housing. So um, we have jobs that pay people all different levels um, in in Charlotte and in, in lots of cities. You know, that's that's how the economy works. So you need to have housing that can accommodate each of those levels. You know, it's if if we have if we don't want to to, you know, pay people all a a wage high enough to afford a $200,000 house, then we have to have options. Um, that's my feeling on it, at least. Um, but I also think it's really important that we have diverse communities, um, and income is a huge part of that. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why people move into some of these historic neighborhoods are because of the culture there. So it's, I think a lot of people do want to maintain that, they just don't know how or you know, it's not prioritized until it's too late and that, you know, that culture is gone and they're all new, you know, $400,000, $500,000 houses there. Um, and it, it's just huge for our equity. You know, um, I'm, I hear it all the time. It's one of the, the things that's kind of leading the charge on a lot of the social services is that we are ranked 50th out of 50 in terms of economic mobility. Wow. And if, if somebody doesn't have housing that they can afford so that they're not overly cost burdened to put a roof over their head, so many downstream things are impacted. So they're not going to be able to contribute as much to our city as, as they would be if they had that, that stable, safe, affordable housing. That's a great answer. And, and honestly, I just learned something that I didn't even think about. Um, and that the reality is, is that in the city of Charlotte, you look at how many different 
layers of workers are needed to create the environment that we live in. I came from Atlanta. It's a lot more dirty in Atlanta than it is, is in Charlotte. And how are people keeping that? If we if we don't have affordable housing for somebody that is cleaning the streets, that's working in different restaurants, that's 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 cleaning these buildings, and they have to come in from an hour, would that just make them not come in? And then yeah. what happens? You know, yeah. So I never even really thought of it like that. So I appreciate you um, you explaining that a little bit more. And I really appreciate what you, you're doing. And I'm, I'm so excited to see kind of where this grows uh, within your organization. But let's jump back into specifically with Rebuilding Charlotte. You guys work with a lot of really cool corporate sponsors, some of them including Spectrum, uh, Wells Fargo's Housing Community, the Charlotte Hornets, uh, the City of Charlotte, Lowe's, Morningstar, and then Red Ventures. All of those are amazing brands. Um, tell us kind of what is their role in, in, in sponsoring you? What do they bring to the table? And then ideally, if there's any business owners or people that are listening to this podcast that would be interested in learning how they can partner and how they can sponsor what that looks like as well. Yeah, definitely. We have some amazing sponsors. Um, so just starting off with Morningstar Storage, they donate our storage units where we keep our tools. Awesome. So it doesn't always have to be writing a big check, but that's a huge need for us. You know, without having a costly warehouse space, by the way, if anybody wants to donate warehouse space, um, but but attention, that's, yeah, <laughs> um, but that's that's awesome, and that's that's what they're able to do, and we appreciate it. Um, Spectrum's been a huge sponsor over the last few years. Um, they have given us project funding, but also capacity funding, which is hugely important. They're one of the reasons why I was able to come on as staff um, transitioning from the the board. Um, so I, I used to be a longtime volunteer and then came on to staff and, and that, that first grant was kind of what helped that happen. Um, and so they, they've been sponsoring, um, I guess about eight, eight <coughs> houses. No, I think we're on 12 houses now over the last few years. Um, so they're a huge partner of ours. And then um, Lowe's is also, we're, we're doing a rebuild-a-block project um, in early October in Druid Hills. And we're going to be working on four houses um, over the, the same few days in addition to a community project. Um, and the Hornets are going to come in and, and send some volunteers to help out with that initiative also. Um, so I think what's, what's appealing for corporations is, you know, they, they have their own corporate social responsibility goals. And rebuilding together just fits in so well with that. Uh, if it if it's not directly about affordable housing, it's about team member engagement and retention. I think what's really cool about the younger generations coming up now and entering the the you know, workforce, they're requiring this of the companies that they work for. Um, if you want to keep me as an employee, you need to show me what you're doing for the community. You need to have t- you know engagement opportunities so I can I can do something other than, you know, making money for you. So that's what's really inspiring about, you know, my generation and and even younger people now is that's kind of baked into the corporate social responsibility model because it's being demanded. I love that. And you mentioned something. um, There's a statistic that it's like 85% of millennials would rather make less on a paycheck if they knew the company that they were working for was doing good for the community and not only just doing good, but actually gave them an opportunity to create a purpose uh, that it wasn't just something that they had to do on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go into a job, it's so much more refreshing when you go there and you're like, wow, we really believe in what we're doing. We're bringing a purpose to the table. It's not just all about the transaction. It's not all about the paycheck. Um, so I, I, I love that. I applaud millennials. I applaud, I applaud the, the new iGen or 
Gen Y or whatever. I don't even know what we're going with next. <laughs> whatever whatever y'all want to be called is fine with me. Just continue to do good. So that's awesome. And thank you for all the sponsors that do that. If you're interested in learning more, we'll share some information here uh, in a minute to get in contact with Beth. But to ju- jump into to you, and, and I want to learn a little bit about you personally. Um, what made you you know, not only volunteer for Rebuilding Together Charlotte, but really say, I, I want, this is my mission. This is my passion. This is what I'm about. And I'd love to just kind of learn kind of your background and how you got to that point and maybe what you did previously. And then just kind of, it, it excites me when you find somebody that is passionate about doing something for more than just money, for more than just acknowledgement, for more than just fame, right? Like you're doing this because you really care and you know that if I put my you know, muscle into it and I, and I bust my ass, I can really make a difference. So tell us a little bit about your story personally. Yeah, well, um, probably one of my first kind of formula of experiences that made me kind of think that I would want to do something like this was I did a, um, a, a rebuilding trip, not with Rebuilding Together, but um, just a ragtag group of college students. We went down to New Orleans in 2008, so a few years after Katrina. And um, you know, we were gutting homes and doing some roofing and things like that, that, you know, just to see what, what happens to, to neighborhoods and and people's lives when disasters come through and then being a part of, you know, seeing that tangible impact, um, was made me want to keep doing that. So, um, then I, I did a year of AmeriCorps Vista with a, a nonprofit. Um, so that's a year of service, um, and that, that was huge. That, that's kind of what made me just want to generally be a part of the nonprofit field. Um, then I moved to Charlotte and um, got hired at Wells Fargo um, and kind of worked my way through uh, some various jobs there. And I loved what I was doing, but it wasn't, it wasn't kind of meeting that, you know, community impact. Um, you know, I didn't feel completely fulfilled without some additional work. So Wells Fargo actually gives every employee two volunteer days a year to go out in the community on the clock and, and do some good, excuse me, do some good. Um, so I found a rebuilding together project and started there and just kept volunteering more and more until I could get no more involved. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so (laughs) I think I'm as involved as I can be. Um, but so that one, you know, I started off as a volunteer and then I started doing some kind of grant writing through the Housing Foundation. Wells Fargo has a team member volunteer program where a Wells Fargo employee can actually apply for a grant on behalf of a housing focused organization and then lead a team to go out and do those repairs. So I thought that was just hugely empowering to, you know, I had this passion and then I got to take my team out and um, show them what it was like to do this work. Um, and then, uh, and I think it was fall of 2017, I was awarded a volunteer leave of absence with Wells Fargo, where they actually paid me to volunteer for rebuilding together for 10 weeks. Um, so that was hugely impactful because we didn't have any staff at that time. We were just a, a working board of directors, just trying to kind of rebuild the organization to um, be able to better meet the the impact and Char- the, the need in Charlotte. Um and, you know, that was like you know, rebuilding our website, having lots of different partnership conversations. And then that ended up, um, you know, I, I became executive director last April 2018. So since then, it's been really just trying to, to build things out. And now I have a team of three others. We have a couple of AmeriCorps members, our outreach coordinators, and we just hired a construction manager. So Lots of really good things happening now. That's kind of my trajectory, how I ended up here. 
But I, I guess the, the work itself, what inspires me about it is, you know, going into to houses and talking to people and kind of seeing what they need and being able to connect, especially more so lately, is building those community partnerships um, is, is probably one of my favorite things about this job. We have a huge project tomorrow um, at the local elementary school in Druid Hills um, where Honeywell is is sponsoring this huge project for us. And I was able to kind of write this project proposal to bring in three other highly impactful nonprofit organizations to partner with us and, um, you know, improve that whole school community. So we'll be doing school gardens with pop-up produce. Um, Brand the Moth is going to be doing a couple huge community mur murals in the school. And... Um, Digibridge. They're doing a family code-in, and then we're funding them um, through Honeywell for a whole year of STEAM Saturdays. Wow. Um, That's awesome. And, and then that our awesome. part of it, we're doing, like, lots of campus beautification, remulching the playgrounds, make sure they're safe. Um, so it's it's a little bit out of our typical wheelhouse of, you know, repairing homes, but it's very much in line with our community revitalization goals. So that's my favorite part of the job, is making those connections and seeing how we can meet the whole needs of the community since we know it's not just housing, um, to be able to to leverage other nonprofits to get in on that. I love that. And you mentioned you have some fundraisers on the horizon. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. Well, we actually just had one last night um, at uh, Heist Brewery in Barrel Arts. So that was cool to um, get a lot of people together and kind of kick off our Building Healthy Neighborhood Initiative in Druid Hills. Um, which officially starts tomorrow with the Honeywell project, and then we have several more houses planned um, this fall. Um, and then we're in the planning stages for um, a bigger event probably in the spring. Excellent. Tell us, um, and I love your story, by the way. You can tell just listening that you're very passionate about it, and it's really cool that Wells Fargo not only gave you the opportunity to find your passion. like it's very, that, That's neat to see a bank that not only said, okay, hey, we're going to give you two days to – to go out and, and volunteer, but then they're going to give you the 10 weeks. And it's almost like they knew that like, this was where you should be. And like, they kind of gave you that opportunity and I'm not trying to give them all the credit, but it's it, that, that you don't see that a lot, right? It would be like, why weren't you at work today? Like, you know what I mean? So I really appreciate um, them doing that, but I appreciate you finding your passion and doing something that makes not only the, the community better, but, but obviously can make Charlotte better and everything else. So that's really cool. Um, how do we, before we kind of close this up, we definitely want to share information on how people can get in touch with you, how they can learn and learn more about rebuilding together Greater Charlotte. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, so my email is bmorrison at rebuildingtogetherclt.org. Um, our website is just rebuildingtogetherclt.org, um, and you can you can find us there um, on Facebook and Instagram. We're rebuilding together clt, and I think Twitter is rebuilding clt because it wouldn't all fit. <laughs> um, way to go Twitter yeah <laughs> how to make things difficult um, but yeah we'd love to you know we have we have different working committees that are not just for our board of directors but we have um, you know more regular long-term volunteer opportunities with those um, so even if you're not especially handy you know we need lots of help in marketing and branding and grant writing and all the things that you can think of to run an organization um that, that are super important, especially when we are really trying to, to build our brand and, um, you know, awareness of our mission in the community. Um, and then, of course, if you are with a, a corporate team, um, there's lots of opportunities to sponsor a, a team member um, 
volunteer day for your team. Um, it's always, you know, a super rewarding day for people to come out, um, especially from large groups we found um, who are, you know, meet people from other sides of the company that they would have never met. Um, so it's just, it's really cool to see that happen. Um, and then, yeah, so we oftentimes have like house captain opportunities if, if you want to kind of take on more of a project role there um, and just all sorts of different things. So sometimes we don't know that there's something we need until somebody reaches out and says, I'm really good at this. Do you need that? I'm like, oh, yeah, we do. Bring it all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's really cool. Well, Beth, thank you so much for for coming on the Brand Builders Podcast, telling us a little bit more about Rebuilding Together, Charlotte. I, I love the passion behind it. I think it's really cool. I definitely learned a lot more about not only the need for affordable housing, but what what that all means. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I can't wait to help out. I, I I got to do a lot of mission trips when I was younger, and we went to a lot of different cities. And one of them that stands out is I got, we, we put a roof on a family of eight. Um, and seeing kids so excited about new shingles going up on their roof when I'm over here, you know, sweating to death. It's like, damn, I I wouldn't get excited about my dad putting on a new roof because I take that for granted, mm -hmm. you know, but being able to do that and see these kids like, you know, I'm going to get to go to sleep at night and not get wet was like really impactful in my life when I was a young person. So I challenge everybody, if you're in an organization, if you have kids, um, if you not, don't bring the little ones, but definitely if you guys want to bring them out and, and support the city and go to an area that maybe you don't live in, go to an area that maybe you haven't seen. And, and guess what? Charlotte can only be a better place if we help every area of Charlotte, right? It can't just be the one mile area around where you live. Like get out there, go see what's different. You know, Bart Noonan was on our podcast. He has West Boulevard Ministries. He has an awesome, um, you know, mission as well. And that's really cool. And like, he's so passionate about it, but he's like, how many people have been down West Boulevard? And not only went down West Boulevard, but said, how can I help West Boulevard? Yeah. You know, so I really appreciate everything that you've done. If you are listening to this podcast, we would love for you to like, share, uh, and, and, and pass this along on all of your social media channels. Absolutely go follow Rebuilding Together Charlotte. See what they're doing. If you have an organization and you guys are interested in giving back, this is a great group to be a part of. Um, you can contact me or Scott. We'll get you in touch with Beth as well. But again, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. We wish you the best of luck. Can't wait to follow the journey, and, and it's really cool to see not only you, but your entire organization do, do good for Charlotte. Yeah, thank you so much thank for having me. You. Thank you, Beth. Keep up the great work. We appreciate it. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.